Welcome. This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors. This is another episode in ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. The subject today is given the period of transition and uncertainty we're going through, what are the qualitative and other factors that a bank should consider under the incurred loss model for determining the appropriate loan loss reserve, and what weight should be assigned them? Kim Belcher will join us to share her experience with these issues with numerous bank and bank board clients. Kim is an, a partner at the CPA firm of Yount Heidenbarber, or YHB. She specializes in bank auditing, taxation, and consulting. She's an expert in bank internal auditing and SOX fiducia compliance, and has over 30 years of community banking and SEC reporting experience. She's a regular speaker at banking association conferences and seminars. She chairs the quarterly accounting peer exchange for the Virginia Bankers Association. All right, let's call Kim. Hi, David. Hi, welcome to the Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Kim, in this period of transition and uncertainty, what are the qualitative and other factors that a bank should consider under the incurred loss model for determining the appropriate loan loss allowance and what weight should be placed on them? Well, David, that's a great question and one that we're talking to our community banks about uh, on an ongoing basis. And the timing of the pandemic and the difficulty and uncertainty that was thrown on the March 31 calculations was definitely unique, to say the least. And even though we still won't have all the answers for the second quarter, we do have more information to feed into our models. And I think really the entire model needs to be looked at and evaluated. Uh, both parts of the General Reserve, the historical uh, component, as well as the qualitative factors, uh, specific, specific reserves, and the unallocated component need to be considered. Uh, obviously, the qualitative factors are the most subjective and the ones that are going to require the most analysis. And each, everybody's calculation should uh, consider the non-qualitative factors that are outlined in the interagency regulatory guidance, but I'll touch on some of the ones that I think are most important to be uh, analyzed in light of the current conditions. The first one being uh, concentrations of lending to certain industries or geographic segments most impacted by the pandemic. Really dig into the portfolio, find out you know how many hotel loans, retail, uh, customers, restaurants, churches, um, those are going to be the most vulnerable and the most susceptible to loss uh, in the, you know, as a result of the uh, lockdowns and the pandemic. And look at how many of those have requested payment deferrals. Uh, if your initial deferral was a 90-day you know, period, you may have folks that are requesting another uh, deferral period. Another factor that needs to be really analyzed heavily is the value of underlying collateral. Look at housing information, inventory levels. Uh, if appraisals have been coming in, you know, lower than what you've uh, experienced in the past, then those are going to be indicators that those uh, there may be more risk in your real estate secured loans. And then obviously economic conditions. Consider uh, local unemployment in your area. Another thing that you may want to look at is uh, if you have a, a big segment of uh, auto loans, 
look at new and used auto sales. Those could be an early indicator for potential uh, loan losses in the auto area. And it's just important to remember that any evidence for underlying trends should be thoroughly tracked and documented and included in management's analysis of the allowance and the underlying support for it, along with the rationale for the magnitude of any adjustment that they make. And I really think that the uh, management's ability to capture and assess relevant data from loan customers that are impacted by the pandemic is going to be the key starting point in substantiating changes to the qualitative factors. As everyone knows, the incurred loss model does not allow for forecasting changes, and that was one of the main criticisms that led to Cecil. But that doesn't mean that management should use stale data. It shouldn't be using March 31 unemployment or housing data to calculate the June 30 calculation. And also, it's fine to use data that's published after quarter end if it provides supporting information for conditions that existed as of quarter end. And even if you don't use that, it's a good idea to obtain it and use it to back test um, what assumptions you did make in your June 30 calculation. Um, and management should follow their allowance model when assigning basis points to each qualitative factor. Most folks have a range assigned to each, each one of those nine factors, and based on the underlying data being analyzed, varying basis points are assigned depending on if the underlying conditions are good, bad, or ugly. But if factors in your, like say unemployment in your area are at record levels that have never been experienced before, then you may have a basis for going above and beyond your pre-established range because you're in uncharted territory. But when you do that, you just need to make sure that you reasonably support it and document it. And one thing to keep in mind is that your adjustment should represent probable losses that can be reasonably estimated to occur and are supportable by evidence as of the evaluation date. So artificially inflating the allowance is just as incorrect as, as uh, being under-reserved. So outside of those qualitative factors um, that should be considered in the general reserve is looking at the look-back period that's used in measuring historical losses. The purpose of the qualitative factors is to adjust those historical losses to a level that's indicative of the risk in unimpaired loans at the time that the estimate is calculated. So you want to make sure that the look-back period that you're using is representative of that risk. And then the another piece of the allowance that should be uh, really looked at heavily is the way specific reserves are calculated. For example, if any of the loans that, you, that have requested payment deferrals were considered impaired loans prior to the pandemic, then you may need to change the method that's used to analyze for impairment. For example, it, you know, or for, if it's a collateral dependent loan or further discounts, expected on the sale of that collateral or uh, based on recent appraisals, or if it uh, was analyzed using the present value of future cash flows, and now a borrower's requested payment deferrals because their cash flow stream is unpredictable, then you may need to go to the collateral method. So it's time to 
to step back and analyze each of those impaired loan calculations as well. And the last piece that I just want to mention is a lot of folks have an unallocated component to their allowance. Um, some don't adjust exactly to the allowance every quarter, so they allow it, the recorded balance to be, you know, say, plus or minus 5% of the um, actual calculation. Well, this certainly wouldn't be a time to be at the low end of that range, and it's not the time if you have an unallocated component previously to just remove it. And there may be an argument that you should be at the high end of the range, but before you just move that all the way up to the high end or uh, pump a bunch of extra into the unallocated component, you really need to see if that additional reserve is being measured uh, under one of the nine qualitative factors. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have an unallocated component or that you shouldn't be at the high end of it. Just, just make sure you're not double dipping. And um, if you do move your unallocated, um, support it. There may be rationale that you need to recognize some risk that isn't easily measured uh, under those nine qualitative factors or in a specific reserve calculation. Maybe there's been some concessions that have been made to borrowers that uh, are so far outside of normal policy that that risk needs to be captured and measured until you know how the customers are going to perform. So I hope that answers your question, David. Yes, Kim. Thank you very much for joining us today, and see you soon. Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.